Mark, I, I have a fun, you know, it's a fun little update. I think it's, it's a fun little update. So I, I just recently taught my last class of the semester. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, these silly, lovable knuckleheads um, criticizing television with me all semester long. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I thought I'd do something kind of fun, too. So um, I, donned, I donned a Santa hat. And uh, I intended to bring some some mini candy canes to class, uh, but I swear, like I walked all up and down the supermarket, could not find mini candy canes, so I just went with the Hershey's Kisses instead. Um, mm. But it was man, I I was I was feeling the holly jolly spirit on December fifth. <laughs> so <laughs> so here's all these poor uh, bedraggled undergrads like trudging their way through um through the oval through the campus quad uh and it's gray and overcast and they look up and what do they see they see this jolly old elf nearly six and a half feet tall wearing a santa hat with a stupid grin on his face with a stupid grin on his face and i swear for just that moment they they felt the yuletide joy uh and they kind of perked up a little bit so i don't, I don't know man i love it i just love it Love this time of year, even when when it's still way too early for for Christmas proper. I don't know what you look like, but in my mind, you look the way that you did when we started Two Wizards, and it was like mid twenty twenty, and nobody cared. You look the way that I look now, like, you know, long curly hair, bearded, mm-hmm. and there you are in your Santa Claus hat, standing, you know, six and a half feet tall. And you're just waving at the kids, and someone's like, "Oh my God, is that a Sasquatch up in room two twenty seven?" It's like wait, wait. So, What's yeah, he doing just, on campus. He's kind of lumbering around, swinging his arms, looking half over his shoulder, <laughs> and trudging, and then trudging right through Buckeye Grove. <laughs> it was you, probably. Prob- you guys smell that? Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably pretty accurate. Probably pretty accurate. Which is a wonderful tie-in to this, the new episode of the Two Wizards podcast. At Two Wizards Pod C1. Welcome, everybody. It's wonderful to have you. My name is Josh, and I am a wizard. And my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard. And yes, welcome back. It's the, well, it'll be the third week of December when you guys hear this, mm-hmm. but it's the first week of December for me and Josh. And as cloudy and overcast as you had, it was like 48 today. It was a really nice oh, day. Okay. I hugged my Christmas lights in a tank top. Mm. I kind of got like a mild little like you were out in the sun for more than 30 seconds burn. Oh, right. That you know that you yeah. get in Alamosa during this time of year. Yeah. Yep. So <laughs> I got that going for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's good. We, yeah, we had sort of a kind of a hectic last week or so, and it's just been cold and dreary. So we haven't put up our lights yet in our little front mm. porch. Kind of, we have some icicle lights that we kind of put out over there, but. You know, hey, tomorrow's another day, and uh, before I get off on some wizardy travels, uh, yeah, I guess I need to make sure that I do that. But um, you know what else we need to make sure we do, Mark? Let's talk about what's in our wizard's mugs. So, um, actually, you know what? I 
this is fine. I don't think anybody's complaining, but I keep like putting you on the spot first. What if I want to share what's in my wizard's mug first? Josh, what is in your wizard's mug? Uh, share, share, dare, dare. I am doing the thing. Uh, the doing the thing. The the I guess liquid equivalent of putting on a Santa hat and walking through Columbus, Ohio. I have more Great Lakes Brewing Company Christmas ale. Because uh, I, I I just love this stuff. In fact, I. Uh, just, just getting a haircut and, um, talking with a barber about, yeah, I, I have this trip coming up soon. I'm going to, going to go back, uh, to the Rocky mountains, see some family, see some friends. And I just need to find a way to smuggle a 12 pack of Christmas ale, um, way out there. Cause it's just so, it's just so magical. And he was like, yeah, man, you got to do it. Bump up oh, your yeah. carry on to a checked luggage and then. Just like load that bad boy up. <laughs> there you go. So that's what I have with me. But what do you have with you, Mark? Well, I also am doing a thing. I was, you know, thinking about what we're doing tonight. It's Bigfoot once again. And yep. I wanted to get creative. And I got Brad coming down in a couple, like, Brad will bend down for I Can't Wait to Show My Kids. And we celebrated Alvis Tide, like you do on Sea Lab 2021, <laughs> by drinking deeply of rye, bourbon, and scotch. Oh, nice. And then eating ham and getting fighting drunk. <laughs> well, so tonight. I wanted to encompass the elements that is Bigfoot slash Swamp Ape slash Sasquatch. And so I took a Yerba Mate Energy Tea. You can buy them anywhere. Mm. The uh, Peach Paradise version, because we're going to be in the South a lot tonight. Um, It smells a little skunky. It's a little weird. (laughs) And then I combined that with a red label, because, you know... Mopping Waris were what color? Red. That's true. Uh, red label scotch. And then I combined that with Buffalo Trace because, well, what's the, you know, biggest indicator of a Bigfoot is a footprint. It leaves behind a trace. <laughs> and I mixed it all together and threw it in my Eddie Line Brewing mug, and it is kind of hazy, and it's looking at me weird. But here's on you, good buddy. All right. Cheers, good buddy. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no, man. Oh, that no. peach flavor does nothing to the, uh, <laughs> oh, it, like, announces the whiskey is there. It oh. does nothing to, like, <laughs> oh, help no. the flavors blend. It, like, divides and conquers them and splits them between, <laughs> Whew. rolls them upon their back and kills them all. Oh, kills man. all the Mark Joneses. <laughs> Another drink. How's your Christmas ale? It's uh, delicious as ever, and also as ever, I, I feel slightly bad that you're having to suffer through all that. <laughs> I mean, that's on me. I got a beer on deck if this got too gnarly. Okay. All right. Well, that is good. That is good, at least. Um, But uh, but yeah, so we are, as you said, we are continuing our uh, monstrous, uh, large stride through Bigfoot territory. Um, We had a a really good start, kind of talking about situating Bigfoot globally, uh, but also kind of like winding in. Uh, narrow, narrowing in ever so slightly to um, to the Americas here, and I think that's I think that's where we're going to continue, right? <laughs> yeah, we're going to go ahead and continue with Bigfoot Part Two: Apes in America. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Uh, I spent way too much thinking about Angels in America, and then trying to remember what Angels in America was about. And then I just ended up remembering that Bigfoot got AIDS. That was pretty much it. I think, I think, I think I'm thinking of rent. That's neither here nor there. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. A little bit of both. 
<laughs> um, last week we talked about the idea of the thing that we call Bigfoot maybe being a holdover species of Ice Age megafauna in either an ape form of Gigantopithecus, which was, you know, a big hairy ape that spread across South Asia and mainland China, or that it could be a type of extant ground sloth called a megatherium that's still probably derping around caves in America and South America today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but tonight we're going to look at Bigfoot the Thing as Bigfoot the Thing, as Bigfoot is a distinct type of ape in its own right that has developed independently on the American continent. Right. Right. So we're going to start off tonight talking about a different kind of ape. This isn't your Gigantopithecus. This is one that's closer to you. You might say it's a real homo, because it is. It's us. Maybe. We're talking about maybe homo sapiens that aren't quite homo sapiens. The concept of wild men is a part of ancient human and modern human histories. Gilgamesh fights one um, and civilizes Enkidu. We all know that, you know. Um, According to Alexander the Great, as he was cutting his path to conquest, he encountered a tribe of wild men in the lands of the Oritani, which is now modern-day Spain slash Iberia. Um, he reported that this tribe were brutal spear fighters, or were, sorry, were brutal spear fighting giants that were covered in red curly hair, and they appeared to fight naked. Oh, wow. They also fought super hard, but were beaten down by Alexander because, you know, he got the boost because he captured a city with the world wonder and all his units were healed. Yep, yep. <laughs> and some of these wild men were captured, um... They were, in fact, naked, but they wore loincloths for modesty, but they were covered in red curly hair, and they had long, hard nails like those of an animal. Um, It's really easy to go, Mark, these are red-haired tribes in Iberia, Spain. They're probably just, you know, out-of-place Celts or Picts or Gauls that got a little too far. But what if it was a different type of human there, Josh? Yeah, Mark, what, what, if, what if this was a different type of human? <laughs> Well, as you pointed out on our dogs episode two weeks ago, um, humans came around about 300,000 years ago. But during that time, there were nine other species on Earth vying for their, like, you know, championship slot. Yeah, yeah. The big winner that everyone was hoping would win was Homo, was Homo neanderthalensis, a stocky humanoid that lived in uh, Europe's cold steppes. Below that were some were things called Denisovians that lived in Asia. Um, Homo erectus lived in Indonesia, and Homo rhodesiensis lived in Central Africa. There's also several short, small brain species, so these are still more monkey than man, if we're looking at it this way. There's uh, Homo nalendi in South Africa, Homo luzonensis in the Philippines, and Homo florensis. We call those the hobbits out of Indonesia. And what did we just talk about last week, Josh? The Oren Pendek, the small people the small bigfoot people in indonesia (laughs) there's also something called the deer people in china which are super early hominids that we don't know how they got there but there they are there they are okay yeah fair enough um it is widely accepted that all of these species are now dead with the smallest remnant of neanderthal being in about six percent of humans which is still pretty good yeah 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 well and 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 isn't I, I don't know if this is quite where you're going to, but like, isn't that also where apparently the 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 recessive gene for red hair for gingers comes from too from the Neanderthal? Oh, I did not know that. I thought it was albinism. I huh. I mean, it could could be a little bit of both, but I'm pretty sure that yeah, like one of the explanations that we have for uh, yeah, like red hair and light skin and freckles is the 
uh, interbreeding between Homo sapiens and Neanderthal. And that's why we have gingers. <laughs> Uh, according to Max Planck Gellenshaft, we can therefore assume that part of the Neanderthal population may have had light or red colored hair. Um, University of New South Wales, red hair wasn't inherited from Neanderthals after all. Oh, okay. Well then maybe I'm, maybe I'm sharing misinformation. (laughs) Red hair is a uniquely human feature, according to a new study by Michael Dannerman and Janet Kelso of the Max Planck Institute for Evolutionary Anthropology. Um... It's striking and paradoxical that over there that half of all Neanderthal genes in our genome play a role when determining skin and hair color. That's kind of cool. That's Yet cool. this new research shows that the, shows that Neanderthal genes have no more influence on these features than the unique human genes we carry for them. So okay. there you go, buddy. Okay, all right. Well, hey, well, well, but you're I not learned. wrong, and we learned something new. Yeah, exactly. So. Right. Yeah, we all we yeah. all learned here at the Two Wizards podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we have these nine species of not quite humans, um, and you know, they're all dead. Neanderthals got 6%, but they're gone, right? Well, what if they weren't, Josh? Um, what if isolated pockets of these maybe endured for centuries and we saw them, but we just didn't do anything with them. Oh. And as time progressed, you know, we would rediscover them. Now, consider that this last year, there was that long-nosed echidna discovered after 60 years in Indonesia. A brand new species of pangolin was discovered. And the black-napped pheasant pigeon was seen for the first time since 1882 in New Guinea. Like, species disappear and reappear all the time. And yeah, I know I'm talking about the span of hundreds of thousands of years, but still, we're doing it today with all our modern technology is my point. Right, 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 right. Right. All right. Um, along the Roman frontier, stories ran through camps of large, hairy men who had stalked through the German forests. Um, these weren't the barbarians that they were in constant battle with, though. Um, these were different, and the barbarians also had similar stories of giant, hairy humans that stalked through the woods. The Greek explorer Hanno traveled to the western coast of Africa in the 5th century BCE and described an ape, or, and described an island filled with hairy savages, predominantly female, known to the locals as Gorilla, now known to be Gorillas. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that only makes sense. <laughs> yeah, only makes sense, right? Oh god, they're large hairy women. They call themselves a gorilla. <laughs> Mark, where are you going? I'm going to meet me some of these gorillas. Time to make first contact. Large, hairy women, I'm in. Oh, those Greeks. <laughs> <laughs> and then they saw the gorilla, and there's like, I thought you said they were hairy. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> Take my wife. <laughs> Pliety the Elder uh, also described another race of savage, human-like creatures in India. We now call those gibbons. Oh, that, that would make sense. Uh, these stories distilled down across time as cautionary tales of what happens to you when you forsake not only civilization, but also Jesus. But especially in Germany. If you were to, you know, abandon... If you, if, if you abandon civilization and God, you become an animal, right? Right. Um, uh, Cain's children are portrayed this way as they're wild and they're marked with the shame of their father. And in some certain religious circles of fan fiction, 
Bigfoot is, in fact, just a direct descendant of Cain, but stay tuned for part three of this. Oh, all right. Good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Middle English during the 1300s, uh, the term woodwoes appears in Sir Gwain and the Green Giant, or the Green Knight, to describe a tribe of wild, hairy men who live in the forest. But these aren't feral humans. They're just there. They're a part of the forest. Mm. Uh, Basque mythology tells of the Basawan, a group of hairy humanoids who herd sheep, goats, and erect standing stones. This is all the way going back to our, like, sacred stones uh, episode two, like... If you thought it was like purely human, the, the the drive to like just get super horned up for rocks and then set them up edgewise, uh, yeah, maybe that's something that we also share with Bigfoot, or maybe that's something that Bigfoot shares with us. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> Bigfoot also likes to stack rocks. <laughs> Um, as America was becoming America in the early 17 and 1800s, as whites started showing up here and pushing more in toward the Midwest, they also started telling stories of weird human-like creatures. They were like men, but they weren't whites and they weren't Indians. So this is from a newspaper accounting in Iowa in 1882 about two cowboys who were, you know, out there on the trail, maybe playing Brokeback Mountain, but they get a little more than they bargained for. <laughs> Josh, take it away, buddy. <laughs> For years past a strange being has, from time to time, been seen hopping about from crag to crag, on the edge of the lava, by cattlemen, prospectors, and others crossing Camas Prairie, and many a story has been told about the wonderful apparition. During many Indian occupation of the country, this strange being was seen quite frequently, at a safe distance from the road. But in recent years, and probably owing to the large number of whites who have invaded uh, this section, the strange being's apparitions have become so few that the reports heard about him and his carryings on were discredited. Two cowboys who have just come in from Camas Prairie relate an experience which will probably go a great way toward reestablishing the popular faith in the wild man's tradition. On the first day of this month, two cowboys searching for cattle lost in the storm passed over some lava crags and were startled by suddenly seeing before them the form so often described to them. They were so terrified that they sat upon their horses, looking at it in dread. Mustering courage and drawing their revolvers, they dismounted and gave chase, but the, thing being, uh, but the strange being skipped from crag to crag as nimbly as a mountain goat. After an hour's pursuit, both young men were so utterly, utterly worn out that they laid down, Seeing which, the young man, the wild man, <laughs> gradually approached them and stopped them on the opposite side of a gorge in the lava fields, from which point he regarded the cowboys intently. The latter would not shoot, as they considered it would be unjustifiable, though they kept their pistols ready for use, while carefully returning the compliment in thoroughly inspecting the Phantom of Snake River. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. bum. <laughs> I can't quit you, <laughs> wild man of Snake River. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Although, okay, so far be it from me, I was not a cattleman in Idaho in the late 19th century. Um, but if I were going to chase after a thing... I wouldn't dismount my horse. I would stay on that and like, and like follow it along. I mean, maybe the ground was really rough or 
You know, if there's lava cracks well, yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so these are in lo- these are uh, lava fields. So this is like that, you know, really shitty uh, scoria exposed rock. Okay, okay, which yeah. you know, so you can't really ride a horse through it. Yeah, so so yeah, th- that is both my cattle herding and my geology ignorance speaking. Um, <laughs> but I, but but again, I'm 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 sure that they did their best. I'm sure they did their best. Yeah, they tried. <laughs> um, in Ohio, starting in the late eighteen or start, sorry, in Ohio, starting in late eighteen eighty three, two Bob or two hunters, Bob Bradley and Henry Henry Roush, were attacked in the woods near Spruce Vale by a large wild man covered in red and brown fur. One of the men shot the creature in the arm, and it ran back into the forest. I mean, that's that's pretty legit. <laughs> <laughs> in Columbus Grove, Ohio, a creature said to look like a man but covered in thick, coarse hair was seen stealing from multiple homes in 1902. Uh, multiple posses were, in fact, drowned up, buddy. Drink. Nope, drink. We're going to drink for every posse tonight, by the way. All right, perfect. Um, multiple posses were rounded up to hunt down what locals assumed was a crazy person escaped from a sanitarium, but nobody was ever captured. I also just had to double check this. Uh, so Columbus Grove is not by Columbus, Ohio. Uh, however, it was founded in 1842 uh, by a whole bunch of people who moved out of Columbus, Ohio. So that's why they call it Columbus Grove. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it looks more kind of like, I don't know, midway between Dayton and Toledo, kind of in the western part of the state. But um, Okay. Oh, my God. I can't believe Okay, so yeah, that was 1842. Uh, Columbus was founded when eight, uh, 1812. So they gave it, thir- yeah, they gave it 30 years and said, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to start our own Columbus. <laughs> With blackjack and hookers. Blackjack and, and, hookers. and wild men. And wild men that will shoot in the arm. <laughs> <laughs> In San Antonio, Texas, a wild man terrorized the town of Nunces for about six months until it was caught by a what, Josh? That's right, a posse. Oh, let's go. Uh, the posse cowboys tied the creature to a tree, but it broke free of the multiple ropes using unnatural strength. Uh, it was then subdued again and brought to Corpus Christi, where it was examined by a judge, and the judge determined it to be like a man, and it... Denoted or sorry, denoting a high forehead which marked intelligence, but couldn't understand why it was so goddamn hairy and strong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not just white people, Josh, because of course it's not. Um, Bigfoot, Sasquatch, all these things are tied intrinsically with the natives who were here first. And really quick, we're just gonna barely poke around them. Because, oh baby, it is just the biggest hornet's nest. And no, we're not talking about giants, goddammit. In Central California, uh, there are thousand-year-old pictographs on on a rock of a large hairy man left by tribes among the Tool River in the Painted Rock region. Josh, that's on your uh, Uh, file if you want to look at it. I'm looking at it right now, and that's... Yeah, that's, that's pretty freaky. I don't know what I would think if I, yeah, came across that, that pictograph, um... Yep, they uh, call that picture The Family. Or, no, Visiting with the Family. Mm. So, there you are. Or it's, you know, the mother-in-law is, in fact, a Greek woman, and she's all hairy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The actual term Sasquatch comes from the Stallies people of British Columbia, 
Um, it's their term for a shape-shifting protect- protector of the forest called a sasquates. Oh, okay. Which means hairy man in their language. Uh, this was the first time that Sasquatch is attributed to Bigfoot as a name or the creature, or to refer to the creature. Gotcha. Is from this tribe. According to a list of 120 Sasquatch encounters and sightings in British Columbia compiled in 1950 or in the 1950s, one man had reported his arm being broken while picking berries in the grass or while picking berries by a giant with shaggy red fur outside of Cats, British Columbia. This list also reported two hunters in a party killed by large hairy men that ran quickly on two legs in the 1880s. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Yep. Yep. There are multiple accounts of Bigfoot-like creatures throughout Ohio. One of the most famous is one called the Ohio Grassman. He's been sighted since the 1700s in Minerva. Um, you know where Minerva is? Well, it's... it's like kind of, it's like in the 6 o'clock, give or take, of Ohio. Okay, so yeah, that'd be like yeah. kind of down, yeah, sort of like west, or actually, well no, this this looks like more east, uh, closer to Pennsylvania. I meant four o'clock. I'm sorry. My numbers are. Oh, okay. No, no, no. Um, no, I have not been out. There's so much Bigfoot in my head. I don't know what a clock <laughs> looks like, Josh. That's where we're at. <laughs> um, but when the whites got all freaked out, the local natives were like, dude, just calm down. Just leave out some wood. He comes and takes the wood and everything is cool. They'd been doing this for centuries and they had peace between them and the grassmen. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Um, most famously, maybe, are the stories that come from the Pacific Northwest, like up in Washington and Oregon, from the Chinook people, who tell stories of the Skookum, a race of red-haired wild men who live on Mount St. Helens. Oh, that's awesome. Mount St. Helens happens to be a hotbed of Bigfoot activity. Even to this day, there are multiple Mount St. Helens big or eagle cams that catch something walking around. Ah, that's so stinking cool. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, it's not that cool. These skookum are said to be bad spirits with the ability to change their shape at will, and they really, really enjoy fucking with humans. Oh, shoot. Because why not? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Dang. Yeah. Getting a little yokai up in here. True. Yeah, true. Yeah. So my point with all this is, as I'm listing all these wild men attacks from pre-1900, is what if, like... It's not a wild man. We're just lacking a term to unify things under. Um, Per the Teddy Roosevelt Cryptid Hunter episode with Bauman's Tale, uh, he detailed a large ape-like creature killing his partner, but Roosevelt called that creature a goblin because he didn't have the word for Bigfoot or Sasquatch. It wasn't in the popular zeitgeist. Hmm. As a matter of fact, we didn't get the term until 1958. When a logging crew in Humboldt County, California, found 16-inch tracks in the mud around their logging camp. Casts were made of these tracks, and a Humboldt Times reporter named Andrew Genzoli dubbed the creature Bigfoot. And that spread like wildfire. Uh, Okay, okay. But what does it mean, Josh? Well, I kind of figured out what it means. I think it means that Bigfoot is a lot like chili. Okay. In that it is an American invention, or, you know, American staple. Um, it is highly regionalized. Everybody claims that they had their brand first and that their brand is the best. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is my opinion that there were slash are 
between three and six different types of American great ape that each specialized into a different region. Um, we're going to talk about some of those tonight, and then we'll pick back up a little later, because the way I had to schedule some shit, this got longer than it had any business being, and I realized I was at the bottom of something. But for right now, we're going to start at the chili capital of the world, at least, for America, maybe, according to some. That's right, buddy, in the American South in Texarkana. Okay, now... <laughs> With their famous chili. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as early as the 1830s, reports of large, hairy things began circling around the Boggy Creek region and areas around the Sulphur, Ridger, or Sulphur River of a large, upright thing standing between 6 and 10 feet tall with matted red to brown fur. These creatures would come out of the swamps and slow-moving shallow mud creeks to sometimes harass locals, but what they really liked to do was eat the tasty, tasty soybeans that grew in the fields. Oh, okay. This whole area was soybean country back in this time. Gotcha. Now, maybe it was this legume-based diet that contributed to their other signature feature. An all-consuming stink (sighs) said to be a combination of wet dog and shit. (laughs) This melange is where we get the name Skunk Ape. Oh, there it is. There it is. In 1946, the people of Jonesville, Texas, which given our cryptid naming scheme, I hereby dub Jonesy, (laughs) reported a large, hairy, ape-like creature that moved on two legs and smelled like a jockstrap. A posse were generally assembled, and sightings ended kind of abruptly. A couple guys got together, they walked around town a couple times, and the sightings ended. Mm. But then 1962, Jonesy appeared again, about 40 miles away in the town of Falk, Arkansas. People began spotting creatures coming out of the edges of swamplands. They were still coming up to eat out of the bean fields, and oh baby, did they stink. (laughs) They also started showing up at the edge of town. Multiple people reported large ape faces staring into their homes at night. Oh man, ugh. Which I know we've talked about that before with, you know... Other various types of cryptids and yokai, but yeah, the thing that's like your the 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 trope of something staring at you from outside when you're trying to sleep. That's just so creepy. Ugh. <laughs> it's it's gross. And I watched a couple Bigfoot documentaries about this guy, and they love that image of well, I looked up and he was staring right through the window at me, and there's a fucking Bigfoot face like jump scaring in the frame, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's like, fuck you guys, and why are you scared, Mark? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I've been having Bigfoot nightmares for about two weeks now, just oh, like God. them trying to get into the house. I'm like, I live on the third floor, but they're ten feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> they can scale, they can scale like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> they can leap between lava crags, you dumb <laughs> bastard. Like a like a nimble. They can mountain jump goat. between balconies. <laughs> <laughs> like a mountain goat. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, I'm not the only one having nightmares. In 1971, a young lady named Elizabeth Ford reported a giant hairy hand reaching through her living room window to grab at her while she was sleeping on the couch. Her brother and husband heard her screaming and ran into the room to find the girl being pulled from the couch outside. The men managed to scare the thing away by beating off the arm and shooting at it point-blank range. Uh, Cops did find buckshot in the walls, Hopkinsville Goblin style, where they shot from the inside. And, well, why would you discharge a firearm indoors while I was drunk and she burnt dinner? I mean, it was a giant (laughs) monkey. Elizabeth was unharmed, if a little bit terrified. 
Both men maintained that at least one of them hit the thing, but no blood was to be found. What was found were large 17-inch tracks with three toes. This is one type of skunk ape. Mm, okay. Or this is one of my three, t- or this is one of my types. Oh, okay, okay. More sightings, yeah, sorry, sorry, I should have clarified. No, 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 you're good. More sightings followed, and more three-toed tracks were found, and more casts were made. A little rock radio station called K-A- KAAY posted a bounty of $1,090, and guess what happened, buddy? <gasps> oh, we got us a posse. <laughs> Multiple posses, Josh. Multiple posses descended on the tap poor hapless town of Falk, which had about 200 people in it at this time. <laughs> and as we have seen so many times before, they appeared in multitudes. They appeared with hounds. They appeared with guns. They appeared with bright lights and all manner of beating a swamp and terrorizing locals. So much so that the local sheriff banned all guns within the county. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> but they also injected heavily into the local economy, and Falk sort of experienced a renaissance, like so many of these little towns do that we discuss. Then in 1972, a found footage film called The Legend of Boggy Creek was released, and it reignited monster mania in the area. This is one of the first found footage movies. Number one, it's super cool. It's on Amazon. You can watch it for free right now, kids. Okay. I encourage you to go do it. Okay, nice. Um, but it just kind of happened and sightings petered out, but they continued. Um, in 1991, multiple people reported seeing something big and hairy jumping off the bridge. Maybe the Falk monster couldn't handle fame and just wanted to end it all. (laughs) By 1998, there are at least 40 sightings reported and there's still a local monster festival that takes place today. Uh, you and I can go get a burger at the Falk monster diner. Or the, I'm sorry, the Three Toe Diner, where we can get a Falk Monster Burger. Num num. That's awesome. Oh god, ah, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm I'm already salivating again. <laughs> in the swamps of Louisiana, in the Saint Tammany Parish, is a swamp ape said to be seen lurking. Josh, mm. the beast is localized to the Honey Island region, and I know that hurt <gasps> your ears because he also repped you in our Cryptid Olympics in beer pong. Yes. The Honey Island. I gave him throwing tips because he was too strong a boy. (laughs) (laughs) This creature is said to be seven feet tall, heavily muscled, covered in matted black or gray fur that looks like hanging nuts. That's not right. (laughs) Hanging moss. The script is supposed to say hanging moss, and my script says hanging nuts. (laughs) But both are equally plausible when we're talking about... Both are equally... (laughs) Hey, man, in my 35th year, let me tell you, there's some gray sprouting on these hangers. (laughs) They also have yellow and red eyes, Josh, and they fucking stink. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. (laughs) Hanging nuts. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I'm sorry. In 1963, two air traffic controllers named Harlan Ford and Billy Mills were searching for a a lost cabin in the swamps that Ford had spotted from a plane. Hmm. Uh, these men were avid outdoorsmen and looking to set up this cabin as like, you know, their own personal cabin to go dick around in the swamp. Yeah. Apparently the duck hunting is real good. Okay. Um, the pair came into a clearing and saw a creature that Ford said was quote, like nothing else I'd ever seen before, ugly and sinister and looking like something from a horror movie. The thing stood up on two legs or so it. They walked into the clearing and saw a thing on four legs, and the thing stood up and sprinted into the dense undergrowth and disappeared. Oh, man. Ugh. Okay. All right. All right. All right. 
Two years later, the pair returned to the area to hunt ducks. As the men were moving through the swamp, they found multiple boars that looked like they were half-eaten. But it was the way that a gator would half-eat a po- would half eat a boar. And there weren't gators this far up in the swamp. It wasn't deep enough for gators to be. Okay. They also found tracks with three or maybe four, depending on what you call as a toe tracks. And the men realized that they weren't loaded up with double-aught skunk shot, so they turned around. But they came back the night later in the day to make plastered casts of these three toe tracks. And Josh, you can page down and see some of these. Yeah, those are, yeah, freaky freaky like they almost look frog yeah like almost like frog like but to imagine that on a big skunky hairy ape Ugh. <laughs> harlan ford returned to this area multiple times and he became a real scholar on the monster he wasn't hunting it but he was genuinely curious about the thing he took multiple pictures cast multiple tracks and took a camera with him everywhere he went he then died in 1980, and his wife reported going through his effects found an 8 millimeter roll of film, which Ford had taken in the swamp. It contained footage of a large gray-black creature walking through the swamps. Josh, those are also on the drive. Go ahead and load them up. They're not that long. Okay. And then kind of let me know when you're ready, and then tell the people what you're seeing. Uh, okay, sure. So I'm going to start off with the original uh, 1968. Uh, yes. Oh, Franklin University, I don't want to earn my online doctorate. (laughs) Well, hear him out, hear him out. Is it quicker than what you're doing now? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe. Okay, but anyway, all right, so here's the Harlan Ford uh, footage. Uh, All right, well, that does look like a swamp, and then I see... Oh, yep, there he is, there he is. There he is, there he is. Yeah, yeah, just kind of doing his thing, strutting along. (laughs) Okay, all right. All right, and then here is uh, here's the next one. This is real, real footage of Honey Island Swamp Monster. Um, if it load, yeah, this should just be the same footage, but zoomed in and enhanced. Okay. It was also a reel, and I don't know how Facebook reels work. It's okay. Now I'm getting like a couple playing Stratego. What? What the? <laughs> Well, that's not what we want. So let's just pretend that that's okay. Happen, all right, oh, fair enough. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, Josh, that blurry thing you saw darting across the screen mm-hmm. was actually was one of the first recordings of an upright ape in North America. It happened two years before one certain famous footage or footage or sorry before one famous film was taken in California that we will talk about a little bit later. Ooh. But that's the first Bigfoot film. If you're trying to split hairs here, man, that's awesome. Okay, I love it. I love it. Ford wasn't the only monster hunter in the region, though. A local man named Ted Williams had grown up in the Honey Island Swamp. He'd grown up inside of it. And he reported seeing the creature multiple times, saying, quote, I'd seen them swimming near the river, and they'd get out on the bank, and then they'd just disappear into the swamp. He made multiple plaster cats, casts of tracks that he found, and Williams said he didn't want to harm the creatures because he didn't, think, because he didn't get the feeling that they wanted to harm him. Mm-hmm. This may be a misguided idea, though, because Williams went missing in the swamp <gasps> one day while stringing trout lines. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> and on your dock, there should be a smiling dude with a bunch of footprints. That's Ted Williams. 
So rounding out with Swamp Apes here, we got one more to look at, and to do that, we gotta go to God's waiting room, Josh. We gotta go to the Wang of the United States, we gotta go to the Sunshine State, the home of our very own Orchid Enchant- Enchantress, one Lindsay Jean. Mm-hmm. We're going to Florida, good buddy. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah, that's... Oh, God. Yeah, of, of course. Of course, Florida also has its own distinctive skunk ape, swamp monster, Bigfoot, smells terrible. And just in time for GTA 6 to come out. <laughs> and just in time. <laughs> I hope I get to be a skunk ape in a trailer park. <laughs> Go ahead and drink because at this point it's hacky to say that since pre-contact time, Seminole and Calusa Indians have reported seeing the skunk ape as a large creature covered in red hair that smells horrifically. Drink. <laughs> Because everybody has it. They all have it, yep. Josh. It's all fucking the same thing. They're, Bigfoot is real. That's where I'm at. Yep. Yep. One of the earliest accounts of these came from the son of the conquistador, Hernando Escalante Fontaneda, whose ship wrecked with his brother in the Florida Keys. He was rescued and he was rescued by and lived with the Calusa Indians for 17 years. And during this time, he reported multiple encounters with a giant eight-foot-tall man covered in red shaggy fur. These creatures were peaceful, and they lived in the mangrove swamps around the island. Uh, We have found several partial hominid skeletons in the region that are bigger than humans ought to be, just as a wink and a nod. We're not saying what it is, but big old humans, Josh. Big big old, hairy, smelly humans. It's got... Yeah. They're there. They're real. They're there. They're fucking there. (laughs) They're about to get realer. Um... (laughs) In 1823, in Key Largo, at a supply or a resupply garden, so it was a garden that was just grown to like, you know, ships would come by, hey, we need some watermelon, they'd swing by and grab it. Gotcha. Um, it was a restock depot. Um, soldiers found it raided when they were coming to the island to resupply. A skunky scent was thick in the air, and heavy footprints were everywhere. They looked like a man's foot, but when a booted foot of a soldier was placed inside of it, it looked to be like that of an infant. As the men investigated, something in the woods around them began hurtling watermelons. So they said, fuck this, and took off. (laughs) I have such a good mental image right now. Just watermelons just getting flung out of the Everglades. In 1852, one Captain Ben Barker retired from a life as a sailor to establish a, pla- a mm, to establish a pineapple plantation on Key Largo. He brought his family with him to the site, and the first thing they noticed was a strong, skunky smell coming out of the fields that night. This skunky smell began to become worse as the pineapples got riper and riper. Then, the pineapples began disappearing, and in the morning the bakers would find the cores neatly stacked up. <laughs> there were large tracks in the area that, wa- that came out of the surrounding forest. As harvest season neared, the smell got even fucking worse, <laughs> and the bakers started taking up armed guard within the fields. They reported nightly raids by foul-smelling giants who seem to communicate by knocking on trees. Now, this knocking on trees is a big to-do because modern Sasquatch hunting theory makes a ton of hay out of this tree knocking, and mm-hmm. we will too. Okay. They believe that this is a form of communication. 
Um, it is either used as like, uh, uh, hey, I'm here, or it's used as a territorial threat. This behavior is also seen in other apes, like chimpanzees, who will woodknock as troops pass through new territory as a territorial warning to other troops saying, we're coming through, we're not going to do anything, we don't want to uh, fight, but leave us alone. Interesting. Okay, okay. Nice, nice. And, you know, if all, you know, sympathetic monkey-based magic right. is what we're going for here. <laughs> yeah. The Johnson family, uh, Bahamanian transports, who were not slaves, making a point here, these were not slaves, these were free people working on this plantation. I don't know why, but the source made a point to point it out. Um, they worked on the plantation and lived off-site, but in close to the woods that backed into the plantation. Mm. And every single night they reported here uh, smelling something that was like a strong skunk and finding eaten pineapples in the morning. They also replied wood knocking throughout the night. Oh, man. Oh, man. In 1863, a soldier stationed on Thomas Island reported something coming up out of the woods. He thought it was a bear until it stood on two legs. And then he got a good look at it and noticed this bear was about 10 feet tall and covered in red fur. And that's when he realized that it stank with, quote, the powerful wash of a skunk. <laughs> This was clearly not a bear, Josh. Yeah. But the man said, fuck it, I bet it dies like a bear, and took a shot at it. Oh, wow. He missed. Mm. And the creature tore off into the forest. Mm. Mm. In May 1877, a skunk ape was seen walking through giant clouds of mosquito along the ma upper Matacum Cape... Mm. Fucking Florida Indian names, dude. Yeah. Upper Matacum Key. It was raiding sea turtle nests for those sweet, sweet eggs right before they hatched. Nice. Locals reported that the mosquitoes did not seem to bother this thing, and it just walked through the clouds. Maybe this is why skunk apes stink so goddamn bad. Natural repellent. Yeah, it could. It, it could be. So, I and, and I, I can sort of borrow from uh, some of Jake the the dirt sorcerer. That's what he called himself, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Because yeah, for a yeah. couple summers he. Worked for the Mosquito Control uh, District. And yeah, one of the things that really attracts mosquitoes uh, is uh, carbon dioxide. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, not that that is... Not that carbon dioxide has any odor, but like, yeah, if this thing is outgassing something, um, yeah, maybe that's yeah. maybe that's part of it too. <laughs> Maybe it's like a mopping worry. It's got a localized colony of super special algae on there that produce chloroform. We don't fucking we don't know. know. Who are you? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what we do know is that the Jewfish Creek Stinker was first sighted in October 1902. <laughs> I'm going to read that name one more time because oh. I need you to appreciate that it's called the Jewfish Creek Stinker. <laughs> Jewfish are a large type of uh, grouper. They get up to like 600 pounds. They're fucking terrifying. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, a photographer named William Crome was photographing early construction of the Jewfish Creek Bridge when he captured what might be the very ever first blurry skunk ape slash Bigfoot photo as it blended in between, you know, rock to rock. Men working in the area reported a constant and perpetual skunky smell. Mm. Maybe Florida just fucking smells. And, I don't know. Yeah, that could be. That, that's also a distinct uh, possibility. <laughs> 
So all those sightings came from one book, uh, the for- the mm, the Florida Keys Skunk Ape Files by Brad Bertelli, which he took. The- so he found among his grandfather's effects all these reports and more. There's like 120 reports from the early 1800s in America in Florida. It's a really cool read. It's uh, free on um, uh, uh, Kindle Unlimited. Okay. So shout out to him. It's. I don't know. There is a horror story that unfolded along the, like, plantation routes in Florida, or, like, the pineapple plantations in Florida. Like, skunk caves attacked them multiple times. Mm. They didn't attack them, but they were there, and they were eating the crops, and a lot of people saw them. Gotcha. Gotcha. And there's a car alarm going off outside, so let's take this time to just cut this one. Yeah, sure. Because, fuck. Yeah. Oh, it's done. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hold on, Mark. I, I think. Yeah. I, I I don't know if this is like some weird like synesthesia thing, something like that. But I need to crack open a new Christmas ale to help wash this skunk ape smell <laughs> smell taste out of my mouth. <laughs> and smell I know taste. And I know that you were brave um, with, with your concoction, but maybe I don't know if you're going to stick with that or, or or do something different. Well, so I made a new one, but I think I'm going to let it defrost a little bit. Maybe let, oh. let that ice melt. And in the meantime, out of um, that place, what is it? The uh, Juan, where did you come from? Uh, Joseph Brow Brewing in Joseph San Brow. Jose, California. I have a uh, Winter Ride Double Bach. Listeners, you remember from last week, it's delicious. Here's Anya, buddy. Here's Anya. Cheers. Ooh, it's good. Well, Mark, I also have to say, like, I I appreciate your enthusiasm and, and your energy. I'm sure our listeners are, too. But maybe I also got bitten by the skunk ape bug <laughs> and did a little deep dive on my own here. Uh, this is from Barden. Oh, are you doing the Barden booger? I'm doing the Barden booger. <laughs> oh, fucking A. Yeah. Josh, how did you know? That's the one skunk ape that I didn't talk about. The Barden burger or the, in the 40s when saw the rise of the Barden burger, booger in Putnam County. Well, fuck, why don't you tell us about the Barden booger? That's a hard name to say. Talk to me about the Barden booger. Well, part of it, too, is just, yeah, because that name is awesome. Um, that is that is fucking insane. That is literally the next point was I was starting no with way. the Barden bur- booger, but oh. I didn't write a bit for it. So that's fucking nuts that you anticipate holy shit all right anyway go crazy, yeah, no we are, we are two well so so i am citing an article written for uh uh the florida times union uh and jacksonville.com uh courtesy of francesca russo and jamie swan the legend of the barden booger and i won't oh, like oh, do, oh. <laughs> and i would do the whole like i won't just read the whole thing verbatim but i'll kind of touch touch base here and there uh, but tucked away among the tall pines, hidden from the farmlands of Palactica, lies the unincorporated community of Barden. It's in Putnam country, west of US 17 off Florida 100. But if you blink, you might miss the small town. I have lived here all my life, born and raised, <laughs> says Barden resident J.J. Pennington. I love our small community. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. With a population of 424, it's no wow. surprise. Yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's no surprise that everyone in the community has a story to tell. Old men spend their days chewing the fat and relaxing in front of Bud's Grocery, the hub of Barden. Tales of hard times and good times are shared on the porches of the homes along the streets. But one story seems to be shared more than the rest around the quaint town. The tale of the Barden Booger. 
<laughs> One of the earliest tales of the elusive creature dates back to the summer of 1947 when a woman riding her horse through the woods spotted what she thought was a very tall man in a long raincoat. Upon closer inspection, she realized the coat was actually fur and that the man was no man. What kind of what kind of creature the booger might possi might possibly be varies depending upon whom you ask. Some say it is the descendant of an escaped circus monkey that grew to a shocking ten feet tall. Others believe it is a Bigfoot-like skunk ape that thrives in the woods surrounding the town. I see monkeys out here in our woods all the time," said lifelong resident Karen Moore. "But I've never seen one that's ten feet tall." <laughs> <laughs> Sightings of the booger are rare and details are never consistent. Sometimes the booger appears to be more human than animal. Other times he is a mammoth beast standing on the side of the road. The inconsistencies are all a part of the mystery, part of the appeal. Uh, right. Although bits and pieces of the stories and sightings may change, two details seem to remain constant who is, no matter who is telling it. The booger is always carrying a lantern and loves relaxing by the creek. Mm, okay. So okay. here's uh, here's here's yeah maybe this own sort of unique spin on a Florida skunk ape is the Barden booger carries a lantern with him. <laughs> that is an interesting addition. Okay. Yeah, it's super super funny. Um, but uh, but yeah. So again, you know, I'm 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 just reminded, and, and we've talked about several of these in in many of our cryptid episodes. Like a little community has this strange sighting or strange monster, and they just lean into it. They're just like, yeah, this is this is our thing, and so everybody has their own story of of the Barden booger. That's <laughs> <laughs> super cool. Hey, um, I just realized that I have been recording for the last hour on fucking mm -hmm. monotrack, so let's stop this recording and I'm a Okay. No, no, you're fine, you're fine. Listeners, if you notice a shift in audio quality, it's because I realized I was recording in mono and not stereo, but here we are back in stereo. <laughs> Glorious stereo. <laughs> Glorious stereo that got really popular in the 1970s. Josh, I know you just read a bunch, but I'm going to have you read from an August 30th, 1971 edition of what? Sports Illustrated Magazine has an article about the skunk ape? Question mark. When fucking news was real news in Sports Illustrated 1971. My uncle was a police officer during this time and recalls the incidents at the trailer park. Okay, well, red flag number one. Be nice. He was it's called not, out it's on... 1970 40. You be nice, mister. <laughs> he was called out on a prowler call. He and his partner arrived to see a very large, muscular, hairy, bipedal shape looking into the window of a trailer. Okay, well, they're, you know, looking into looking somebody's in house. It ran away as they approached it, leaving behind a very strong, quote, pungent ammonia, horrible B.O., end quote, smell. He explained to me that since a crime had not been committed, only an incident report would have to be filed, uh, not an official police report. The incident reports were not kept and filed. He assumes such is the case with this witness's story as well. Bum, so bum. if it's in Sports Illustrated, <laughs> yeah, if it's in Sports Illustrated, it's... That's, in case you have had any lingering questions about the authenticity of some of these reports. Somehow it makes it more real to me. I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, it's it's uh, it's its own thing. Yeah. Uh, in May 1974, a young boy named Dave Sheely, age 10, and his brother Jack, age 16, were deer hunting in their backyard, also known as the Big Cypress Nature Preserve, a 2,400 square mile swamp. Hey, do you know that Florida's full of swamps, Josh? Because goddamn, Florida's like nothing but swamps, apparently. <laughs> it is. It is. I, I, I don't know if it's... Uh, I, I, I don't know compared to, like, Louisiana, but some unreal amount of that state is below sea level. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just, like, all... It's just all swamp. And that's how... Yeah, that, that's one of the reasons why Disney World is even there in Florida, because... Who's going to buy a bunch of this useless swampland? Well, Walt Disney will, and then he'll drain it all out and <laughs> put in a resort. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you, Disney theory. <laughs> uh, as the boys were hunting, they spotted something about 100 yards away. It looked like a man covered in fur. And when it saw them, it stood up on two legs and sprinted through the mud through the trees. Again, with the sprinting, man, I just, it would be one thing if it's like, okay, I see these, like, small feet looking after me. I'll just get up and, like, saunter off into the forest. But no, getting up and sprinting. Ugh, yeah. It's just, ugh. Sprinting. In July 1974, during a sleepover with three kids, two cousins and the little sister, or I guess whatever, there's two cousins and like the main girl, uh, between the ages of 12 and 15, the three girls were sleeping camped out in the living room when one woke up because of the smell of a strong skunky odor that was wafting into the room. The girl looked up and met eyes with a skunk ape. The skunk ape screamed at the little girl with a blood-curdling cry and then calmly walked around the side of the house. The entire family of five people was at this time awake, and the dad and the dad cautiously pulled them all into the bathroom, where they watched through a bathroom window as the thing that looked like a man covered in fur walked to a lake nearby the house. It then squatted down, ate a wild melon, and then drank some water, stood up, and bounded noiselessly into the forest. That same week, on the other side of that very lake, police were investigating a horse that was killed by a large animal, likely a bear or panther. When they ran into their number one suspect, when they literally hit a skunk ape with their car as it walked into the dark rural road. The beast screamed with an inhuman scream and limped into the woods. The car looked like, quote, it had smashed into a power pole. In winter 1975, multiple children in Broward County around Coral, Florida, reported seeing a large skunk ape that would watch them playing from the edge of a swamp that backed up to a canal channel. So in this area, there is a dirt bike path that kind of backs up into the forest around next to the canal. And there's also like, it's a canal. I guess in Florida, there's all these canal waterways that are man-made, so kids play on them. But there's a dirt bike track, and this skunk ape loved to watch the kids do dirt bikes. I don't know if that's really cool Which, or super fucking scary. I cannot tell. It, I Yeah, I, I think it's a little parts of both, but also... Totally Florida. <laughs> well, but then too, you know, last week we're, or a couple weeks ago, we we're talking about like Airbud Twenty Nine when he, you know, wrestles the Undertaker, and like so, so where's my like Moto Sass? And you know, 
he watches the kids doing sweet ass dirt bike tricks and like watches them and then they teach Sasquatch or they teach they teach Skunk Ape how to, you know, ride dirt bikes. And then Skunk Ape goes right, and competes yeah. in a local race and wins. And then they <laughs> save the Everglades from the local businessman trying to build them all. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that businessman's name was Walt Disney. <laughs> Sure, I'll protect which, your okay, now I'm picturing, <laughs> Which now I'm picturing in like the 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 mode of yeah, one of those like crappy 1960s super cheap Disney movies like like uh, Herbie the Love Bug <laughs> or or the or the um, the the Nutty Professor? No, not the Nutty. You're talking about Flubber, the, the like absent-minded professor? Yeah, f- the absent-minded professor. Yeah. That's I it. Gotcha. Yeah, or the. <laughs> It's like, come on, come on, skunk ape. But they give him some silly name like, like come, come, come on. I don't, I don't Get know. it, I funky. Don't Get it now. Yeah, 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 funky. There it is. Yeah, funky. Whoa, he's doing the Superman. That's not the Superman. That's the stinky man. And he like hangs out the back and like smells his pit and goes, no. And the crowd goes fucking nuts. And the trick lasts for like 10 seconds. And it's, yeah, I'm in. Let's. Fucking do this. What's Lou Ferrigno doing? Can he be the skunk ape? Let's go already. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. We need Lou Ferrigno. Um, And then Sandy Duncan shows up as the... (laughs) She's she's the, like, trailer park, uh, uh, like, 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 yeah, like chief manager or something like that he's like well no walt disney you can't come here and build a new resort i'm sandy duncan (laughs) (laughs) featuring marjorie stewart masterson is the mom (laughs) angela lansbury as the british aunt (laughs) Oh, I don't know anything about this here skunk ape, but you boys just eat your potatoes. I don't know why she's Irish. You said British, specifically. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're going crazy. Ain't no rules saying skunk ape can't fucking join motocross. (laughs) Because what is everybody's favorite fucking monster truck? Well, The Undertaker, but the second one is Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Okay, so that was the other thing too, right? Like, I remember uh, in our... Uh, yeah, like um, uh, our crossover episode with professional wrestling, talking with John. Oh, yeah. Like, big into WWF as like a little kid. And also, like, I never attended, I never went to any monster truck rallies. But as a kid growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, you better believe that I knew about Bigfoot and like, was like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's so, and, and then, and then there was like the, the, uh, was the Undertaker? Undertaker, Grave yeah, Grave Digger, yeah, Grave Digger. That's the one. Oh God, oh God, it's so good. And Truckosaurus, <laughs> dude, fucking, you're in. Oh, okay, I'm not trying to to besmirch your newly adopted home state, recently adopted home state, whatever. Your transplanted right, state. Right. I'm not trying to besmirch. I guarantee there's a monster truck show. Now, now, now. I don't want you to look for it because I'm gonna look for it, and we're gonna fucking get together, and we're gonna get some goddamn yeah. newly legalized gummies, and we're gonna go fucking watch a monster truck show and blow your goddamn head up hell yeah it's happening baby (laughs) hell yeah dude hell yeah dude (laughs) um 
Anyway, so there's something in these here woods. Um, but we don't know what it is, once again. Um, I'm not, not going to list every single sighting because we'll be here all night, but just take it as face value that they happen consistently. So much so that skunk apes were almost considered to be like a thing that might be kind of, you know, rare and special and unique to the region. And like, you know, maybe we got to try and protect it. Uh, so much so that in 1977, a proposition was raised to say, hey, man, the collecting of, you know, hominids of unknown hominids in Florida is hereby illegal. Uh, Florida voters in a trend that shocked nobody said, fuck that. If we see one, we're going to kill it. (laughs) Then in 2002 in Sarasota, Florida, um, a woman sent a letter to her local county sheriff and Josh, I'm sorry. This is a letter to Nemenides, but, um, give this your best old lady. This is your best old lady in Florida. Okay. Gotcha. Dear sir or madam, not that old. Enclosed, not pl- that old. We'll be here okay. Forever. Not okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Enclosed, please find some pictures I took in late September or early October of 2000. My husband says he thinks it is an orangutan. Is someone missing an orangutan? It is hard to judge from the photos how big this orangutan is. It is in a crouching position in the middle of standing up from where it was sitting. It froze as soon as the flash went off. I didn't even see it as I took the first picture because it was so dark. As soon as the flash went off for the second time, it stood up and started to move. I then heard the orangutan walk off into the the bushes. From where I was standing, I judged it as being about six and a half to seven feet tall in a kneeling position. As soon as I realized how close it was, I got back into the house. It had an awful smell that lasted well after it had left my yard. The orangutan was making deep whoop noises. It sounded much further away than it turned out to be. (laughs) If I had known it was as close to the hedge roll as, as it was, I wouldn't have walked up as close as I did. I'm a senior citizen, and if this animal had come out of the hedge roll after me, there wasn't a thing I could have done about it. It was about 10 foot away from when it stood up. I'm concerned because my grandchildren like to come down and explore in my backyard. An animal this big could hurt someone seriously. For two nights prior, it had been taking apples that my daughter brought down from up north. Oh, geez, try saying that. (laughs) Brought down from up north. Off our back porch. These pictures were taken on the third night it had raided my apples. It only came back one more night after that and took some apples that my husband had left out in order to get a better look at it. We left out four apples. I cut two of them in half. The orangutan only took the whole apples. We didn't see it take them. We waited up, but eventually had had to go to bed. We got a dog uh, back there now, and as far as we can tell, the orangutan hasn't been back. Please find out where this animal came from and who it belongs to. It shouldn't be loose like this. Someone will get hurt. I called a friend that used to work with animal control back up north, and he told us to call the police. I don't want any fuss or people with guns traipsing around behind our house. We live near I-75, and I'm afraid this orangutan could cause a serious accident if someone hit it. I once hit a deer that wasn't even a quarter of the size of this animal and totaled my car. At the very least, this animal belongs in a place like Bush Gardens, where it can be looked after properly. <laughs> it's just so wholesome. It's just, you can tell it this is. is a fucking old-ass woman it writing is. this. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Why haven't people been told that an animal this size is loose? How are people to know how dangerous this could be? If I had known an animal like this was loose, I wouldn't have approached it. I saw on the news that monkeys can get loose. <laughs> can, sorry, you're sorry. good, you're good. <laughs> I saw that on the news that monkeys that get loose can carry hepatitis and are very dangerous. Please look after the situation. I don't want my backyard to turn into someone else's circus. God bless. I prefer to remain anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> now, now this sweet old lady also enclosed a photo of the orangutan. Josh, I, incl- mm-hmm. I put it on the drive. Go ahead and page down to see the photo she enclosed. All right, here we go. <laughs> what do you see, good buddy? <laughs> I see a big skunk ape. That's what I see. I see a big fucking skunk ape. <laughs> <laughs> uh this animal in question is known as the miyaka monster given that it was backed up to the local miyaka nature preserve um the story was published in the local paper and then it hit the larger news circuits uh there's even an early monster quest episode about this that i watched and it blew my fucking brain circa 2003 when this was new news okay that letter was from 2000 yep. uh, or, or roughly around there. And so that it's a, then to have a turnaround and have an episode that, that quickly in 2003 Three years. Yeah. I, well, this was big news that's, too. That's and it, good. this is assumed, this letter is assumed to be authentic. Like they don't know who the woman is because she said, I don't want to be, an, or I want to be anonymous, but like this is assumed mm-hmm. to be authentic and people that see this go, well, it's an orangutan, but it's a really big fucking orangutan. Like, just, I mean, you can tell from that image, like, that scale, it's a big animal. Like, listeners yeah. to Wizards Pots, yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah. you'll see it there. But a local Florida man saw this news story, just like the rest of the country. And then he sat up in his chair while holding his, you know, what I assume was, you know, a bush light and said, I know that monkey. This man was the young deer hunter known as Dave Sheely. You remember him, Josh? He saw him when he was, you know, out hunting in his back 40. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out that that first encounter back in 1975 was enough to really kick an anthill in Dave Sheely's head. So he decided to spend the rest of his life hunting the skunk ape. Uh, Now, Dave Sheely has written a field guide to the creature. He owns and operates the Skunk Skunk H Research Headquarters, uh, which hosts the world's largest golden python, uh, multiple footcasts taken by Sheely, and night swamp tours where people will hear will report hearing something. There's something in the goddamn Florida swamps at night traipsing around, and it sounds pretty big, and it might sound like I'm poo-pooing and hating, but I'm not. Because, Josh, this man is actually doing it. In terms of, like, actual authority, Dave Sheely is the skunk ape authority. Mm. As it happened in July 2000, Sheely was out skunking. That's my term for what I assume he calls loading up deer feeder traps with lima beans. Because God damn it, Josh, don't skunk apes just love to eat fucking lima beans. Not unlike the Falk monster, which was all about goddamn soybeans. I mean, definitely giving credit where credit's due. They they, they eat pretty damn healthy. You know, all of this fresh fruit. Uh, all this fresh produce. Yeah. They're, they're getting their le, le legumes in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot, lot of good protein. A lot of them good fats. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, exactly. Tons of iron. Maybe, 
Maybe we could all take a page out of the skunk. <laughs> we can learn from our from our brother skunk apes about how to <laughs> eat healthy. Let's cut to a word from our sc- our sponsor, Skunk Ape Eats. Hi, my name is Mark, and I'm a wizard, and if you're like me and I know I am, well, you're real busy and can't always make dinner. That's why I like Skunk Ape Eats. It's all beans. Nothing but beans. I fart all the goddamn time. But boy, am I regular. My girlfriend has left me, but boy, am I regular. (laughs) Anyway, Sheely was out loading these deer feeder traps with lima beans, uh, which would... You know, so the, the, the traps drop the beans, the skunk apes come, come in, and other animals. Again, this is swamps in Florida. So bean traps don't mm. last long. All kinds of shit will come up and eat them. Um, but the idea right. is that trail cameras will capture all the kinds of shit eating them. And Dave takes a lot of cool pictures and then every now and then goes, see that shadow? That's a skunk ape. Well, one day he was out loading a trap. What, about 200 yards away, he saw some motion on a palm mound. According to Sheely, the water in the area was better than two and a half feet deep. He whipped out his potato phone and took this footage. Josh, it's on there. Go. It should be the Dave Sheely skunk ape. Go ahead and hit play and describe for the listeners what you are seeing, good buddy. Okay, so opening the link now. There's probably an ad. And... Oh, yep, that is the... That is the footage. It will... It, if you're thinking about what a Bigfoot sighting is, that that is the video that gets, um, that yeah, like it, it, it gets played constantly. Yeah, just blurry Bigfoot sighting. Yeah, right. Like it looks bad. Well, right. Like it's super high definition. It's two thousand, so you can see everything. But that like weird Bigfoot fro looks stupid as shit. But again, this is two thousand, <laughs> so who's to say what Bigfoot looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh... <laughs> Bigfoot Pro. I also love that too. <laughs> um, if you go to the original YouTube posting, there's a bunch of comments from Florida residents that claim this is real, because Sheely quantified that the water was two and a half feet deep, and they're all like, "Well, shit, ain't nothing natural can run through the mud like that. It gotta be a swamp ape, like." And it does. Like, if that water's two feet deep, then that thing is trucking. Sheely reported clocking it at 22 miles an hour. Don't ask me how he did it, but he is the world expert on skunk apes, so I'm not going to question his methods. I'll just take it at face value. Yeah, Yeah. I I have to defer to the world skunk ape experts. Yeah, so I hear you, man. I hear you, and listeners, I hear you. Um, Mark, you just showed Josh conclusive skunk ape video evidence. Um, and this is, that's great. That's great that we have this conclusive evidence taken from across time and then recorded and there's a skunk ape and it's real and it's looking into your goddamn double wides at night. But I hear you, Josh and listeners, and you're saying this is an episode about Bigfoot. Get so damn sassy with me, you Greek bastard. Well, Josh, fine. Let's get sassy. Let's talk about that North American wood ape that is indigenous to the Pacific Northwest that we know and love and we will call... Bigfoot, a.k.a. the Sasquatch. Bum, bum, AKA bum. The Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Imagine me as a Bigfoot standing on a mountain screaming at sunrise. 
According to the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, or BFRO, if you were going to try and locate a Sasquatch monster in the United States, you would want to look in Washington State, where they have counted 713 sightings between here and 1950. The highest, po- the highest concentration of these sightings is located in Skamania County, which is in the south of Washington State. Uh, that's where Mount St. Helens is, which once again is a hotbed of Bigfoot activity. Or activity, activity helps you poop. Activity. <laughs> But also up in Snohomish in the north. Cue up that sweet Bigfoot wee fit music. In summer 1965, in the Yakima County, a family reported seeing a large, thickly muscled creature with long, brown, shaggy fur. The thing would whistle from the brush at dusk and sometimes in the early hours of the morning. The family didn't know what Sasquatch was. This wasn't a term that they were familiar with. But the grandmother of the family would tell the kids that sometimes would tell the kids to come inside early because if they didn't, the hairy man that lived in the woods would come out and get them. Oof. This grandmother also reported see uh, so so the grandmother reported seeing this in her youth, but the family reported seeing these creatures consistently every single summer from 1955 onward. That's <laughs> so yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a perennial generational. <laughs> they move in herds, dude. They migrate just like ground sloths oh, that come God. in dry summers. Yeah, why not? All right, so Josh, um, as hack as this is to say, because you can't look at them all, I just went to the Beefro website that has a catalog of all these, and I encourage you and the listeners to go and pick some of these out and look at the goddamn scary ass Sasquatch shenanigans occurring in the state. Um, number okay, one. So, so, okay, so okay, so yeah. Well, okay, so I am yeah, I am pulling up www.bfro.net and. Oh God! Yeah, there's, there's already a, a, a 2024 Florida Bigfoot expedition. I know we're getting out of Florida. We're trying to head up more right. to the Pacific Northwest. But like, just oh my God! There's an entire website here with maps. Yeah. Holy cow! I. You want to ruin your day? Right. Look at Illinois. Illinois has the third most sightings in the goddamn country of Bigfoot. And if you would have told me that Illinois had the most Bigfoot sightings, I would have said you were a fucking cockshiner. But hey, Josh, <laughs> Illinois has the third most Bigfoot Illinois sightings the in the country. Third most. <laughs> More so than Texas, well, which hosts its own like species. Like, it's crazy, dude. Yeah, Beefro is doing the Lord's work. This is incredible. They have they have meetups for Colorado, yep. for New Mexico, yep. for Ohio. Oh my God, this is amazing! Sightings catalogs and this. detailed down to the state. My only complaint is that they you cannot filter these sightings um, by uh, date. So like, as I was uh, going through them, I was like checking through counties in Washington and like there's 731 or 713 sightings in Washington state. That's a lot of fucking counties to sift through. Anyway, uh, real quick, I'm going to rattle off some of my top hits as you're paging around there in the Washington, maybe the California region. You'll let me know what you find, but here we go. In May, 1972 in Skamania County at a high mountain road, a party was heading to camp in a new location near pyramid rock near pyramid rock. As they walked along the foggy mountain road, they heard multiple rock falls around them, and not wanting to risk actually getting caught in a rock slide, the party decided to turn around. As they backtracked in the mud, they noticed a new set of tracks alongside theirs. 
but these tracks were 12 were size you know 16 17 they were real real big they were bigger than the largest shoe party in the crew which was a man size 12 as the crew walked back they reported seeing several dark tall things in the fog just behind them oh my god okay this is crazy <laughs> Uh, just again, just out of curiosity, because yeah, I'm I'm looking at California. Yeah. Um, spring, 1985, when when Josh was just a twinkle in his mother and father's eye, but in uh, Riverside County, California, which is eventually where I would be born. Uh, observed the local paper, the Press Enterprise, ran an article of footprints being found in the Ansa area near Batista Road. This is a dirt road that leads to or near the Indian Reservation. There's really nothing out there but scrub, uh, manzanita oaks and pines at the higher elevations. I've hunted that area and hiked around there over the years. Many times I've been out there and knew and knew or had some feeling of another presence. Oh. I don't mean like small animals or anything of that sort. Just some unexplained feeling that someone or something has been watching or following me. Oh my god! Oh shit! This is amazing. <laughs> that was out of California, you said. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So you know what? We can fuck these up a little bit. So I'm taking. So you know, yeah, we'll just mix these up a little bit, and I'm gonna rattle off my Washington State. But you keep looking at California because it's more fun this way. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, in King County, Washington, it seems to be the land of the scream, Squatch Josh, as multiple reports <laughs> reports of screaming and recordings have been made of Sasquatch calling to one another. At multiple times, these calls are dis. Or sorry. Um, at all times of day and night, these calls can be heard, and they are distinct, and they are now being cataloged the way that we catalog whale songs as distinct things between two members of a species. <laughs> we, are, uh, According to Bifro, they are attempting to compare these to other vocalizations recorded across the country. Uh, November 1974 in Waukea County, two hunters reported coming face-to-face with a creature that was at least seven feet tall and had eyes that seemed to glow in the near dusk. This wasn't demonic glowing, but it was the glowing like a dog's eyes have in a spotlight. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) The pair of hunters were tracking an elk herd. Or, or tracking an elk herd by their track when near dusk a quote real hulk of a creature appeared with a big barrel chest with a big barrel chest massive arms and shoulders the really impressive fact was that it made no sound when it turned to leave it saw the hunters and then just seemed to float away Multiple Sasquatch have been seen in the forest around Mount St. Helens, but both in the days before it erupted in 1980, when multiple Sasquatch sightings were reported right before the eruption and kind of got buried in the ensuing goddamn chaos that was the Mount St. Helens eruption, but also in years later, when populations seemed to return to the area as early as 1985. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Oh, oh. So okay. now, okay, so that was my last Washington. I'm going to tag into you because really in California, like California is like this weird last bastion of Bigfoot slash Sasquatch. Um, it's mm-hmm. the home of the Redwood Forest. It's home to LA. It's home to the High Hammock Radio 2024 Weed and Tacos Aquarium Tour. Um, <laughs> and again, I, I know this kind of sounds like a cop out, but like. It's more fun to like talk about these local sightings instead of going Bigfoot is a thing that knocks on trees and you can call it by going Wahoo! Like it's 
Anyway, well, no, and so, also one no, more time, no, so, it is hacky to say, but sorry, before you take off there, it is hacky mm-hmm. to say that local tribes in the region reported hairy things as well as... Blah, 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 blah. But also, just bear in mind, there is a lost city of gold underneath Mount Shasta that is that is guarded jealously by both teleporting Bigfoot and anthropomorphic ant creatures. But that being said, Josh, talk to me about California, buddy. Okay, well, because you mentioned Los Angeles. Yeah. And, yeah, here, here you go. Uh, uh, a face-to-face encounter from 1974 uh, in October. Um, uh, in, in your own words, describe what happened. Uh, quote, the night of the incident was the night that Little House on the Prairie was making its debut on television. My cousin and myself were playing inside of our house and began to hear noises, and I had strange feelings, like we were being looked at from outside of our house. This continued for about 20 or so minutes before we took our flashlight and stepped out into our backyard. That's when we came face to face with this, at that time, an unknown creature. We only observed this creature for a few seconds when we turned and ran back into the house, very frightened. End quote. In summary, uh, there's only one sighting in the Quartz Hill area. Uh, the other encounters took place in the Tulare area on, on uh, subjects uncles and aunt's farm. After talking with and visiting with Tom and his wife, I came to the conclusion that they have had numerous encounters on this farm, and our Bigfoot Field Researchers Organizations, BFRO, <laughs> should look further into following up in this area. Uh, and apparently they have a video of it as well. Oh, shit. Just, oh, my God. Really? Yeah. Um, they said that they kind of went back out and looked for tracks. Did, uh, did you check for footprints? Yes, we checked the following day with my father. The wind was still blowing pretty strong through the night. And the following morning, we noticed two deep impressions in the sandy soil on the other side of our neighbor's fence. Uh, and at the time of the encounter, the neighbors were not at home. So, I mean, oh, God. Yeah. I, I think I just I think I just found my new favorite website. <laughs> when When did that sighting come from? 1974 okay cool cool yeah so okay even earlier than that um i think the earliest one in california comes from a uh, siskiyou county in northern california when a nine-year-old margaret whitney uh aged eight and her brother were walking along a dirt road they saw a family or they saw a group of things what uh margaret thought to be originally as papa mama and baby bear walking through the woods oh. on two hind legs Papa Bear was about seven feet or was about ten feet tall. Mama Bear was just under eight, and Baby Bear stood at about six and a half feet tall. These three bears saw the two kids and promptly turned around and disappeared into the woods. That is maybe the first, like, you could call it like modern age Bigfoot sighting that I could find in California. Oh my god. I'm probably wrong. I bet I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but 1940. Around the towns of Strawberry and Cold Springs, starting as early as 1963, a large creature, st- a large creature standing better than 10 feet tall, was often seen and assumed to be heard shrieking in the forest. Footprints were found in both around both towns in great magnitude. I okay, 1963, so, like yeah, 1960. So eating fresh produce. Smells horrible, knocking on trees, shrieking, red and black fur, <laughs> looking in your window at night. <laughs> it's bad, man. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, maybe the most famous piece of Bigfoot 
anything came from October 1967. 1967. When two mm. men, Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin, were in the Bluff Creek region between Del Norte and Humboldt County. Now, remember, Humboldt County was the site of that original sighting of something with big feet at the logging camp, right? Right. Right. So, in this area, multiple tracks and trails had been found with footprints. And uh, Gimlin and Patterson had set out to go record a Bigfoot because they knew that this was the place to go find a fucking Bigfoot. The men were mounted on horses, and as they came along a bend in a dry creek bed, one horse screamed and reared and threw its rider, which was Patterson. As the horse screamed and reared, a female, sa- an apparently female Sasquatch stood up in the underbrush. Okay. Then walked along the creek bed, and grainy footage was shot on a 16mm camera on about 24 feet of film. Now, this is the most famous and most controversial yes, sighting of Bigfoot. The... It is right, on the right. drive. Just really quick, just you show me what you're seeing. Or you tell me what you're seeing when you play that okay, video. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is... I, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing what appears to be a large, dark brown fur bipedal... Uh, animal just kind of trotting along behind some logs and boulders and branches. Um, I'm, I'm also telling you what I'm not seeing. Okay. I'm not seeing any, like, obvious zippers. <laughs> right, right. I'm not seeing any obvious, like, oh, here's, like, clearly, like, a like, a like a costume rental store kind of outfit because in 1967 who would like what what costume rental store would even think to like make a giant fursuit well it's... i don't even think that go ahead <sighs> no like like i i cuz i i know that's what a lot of people will claim about especially the Patterson Gimli film here um not not Gimli Gimlin <laughs> <laughs> and my sass and my sacks. <laughs> um, because yeah, like I, I, I know that's what, what, like everybody says, like, oh no, it's just some dummy in a costume. But like, who's making a Bigfoot costume in 1967? Answer me that. Like, prove, prove that there were costume rental shops making these types of things, or yeah, whatever. So I'm, I'm seeing a large potentially like simian kind of thing but not okay. or maybe a hominid, hominid maybe a hominid kind of a thing yeah. yeah okay that's what i'm seeing okay i mean and we're not going to debate the patterson gimlin footage tonight that would take a youtube series with video editing that i can't accomplish but right. the big takeaway right, right, right. is that at least the locomotion seems standard to a thing like that there's a lot made out of the way that it plants the heel and the heel mm. according to um Scaling would be about a size 16 foot, or read that as Shaquille O'Neal. But also the person in said ape costume would have to be better than about 7 feet tall, even if it's like a shoulder-mounted head. Um, There was a guy named Bob Hieronymus that came out and said, oh yeah, Gimlin hired me to show up in this suit. But Bob Hieronymus has been widely debunked as being a piece of shit. And herein lies the biggest Bigfoot rub, is that like, so Patterson Gimlin might be some really definitive footage, but as much like, you know, 
uh, decrying and this is fake and this is bullshit has been made about it, that much defense has also been made about it. This is one of the most highly defended pieces of Sasquatch footage that we have. Right, right. And that's it's... just, that's the way it is. And really, I we're going to stop here with the Patterson-Gimlin because, like, anything after this kind of taints the idea of Bigfoot in North America. But, like, the point that I want to make is that this shit was occurring in North America before the Patterson-Gimlin film. Right. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's it. There, there's, and, and, and yes, like you were talking about before, like, Oh, yeah, there's all these other almost like Pat, like, ah, oh, here's this Native American tribe that has its own thing. Like, yes, 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 all that. But also, like you're talking about, like so many so many of these uh, uh, reports, testimonia coming from the 40s and 50s that match up with all this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so clearly there was something going on before the Patterson-Gimlin film, like, entered the public imagination. Yeah. Um, I, I believe, I believe, man. There's some. There's, there's got to be something. There's got to be something. There's got to be. And we're, we're, we're almost out of here. But I want to talk really quick about one big con that comes out, especially talking about Bigfoot slash, slash Sasquatch slash Skunk Ape, and that's it. We don't really have any evidence. Blurry, grainy video footage that I put up on a drive is enough to convince you when you go, Mark. There's something out there, and I go, I know. The Honey Island Swamp Monster is really shit, and so is the Miyaka Ape. But we also have, you know, hundreds of cast tracks. Um, hours, mm-hmm. hours, Josh, of footage. Literally, like, so, okay, there's the thing, and it's like, well, Bigfoot's real, how come no one's never seen him before? Bullshit. Fucking bullshit. We have hours of footage now of people seeing something, and, like, it can't all just be dude in a suit. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like... Yeah, I, I am even if ninety eight percent of it is dude in a suit, there's still something real. I go back to Eagle cameras. Um, Les Stroud, the Survivor Man, he recorded Bigfoot on multiple occasions and even kind of shifted his focus in like entertainment to be more like, hey, I'm Les Stroud. I used to show you how to survive in places. Now I'm fucking looking for Bigfoot because I keep finding him on accident. Yeah, right. Yeah. And 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 I. I'm, I'm sure the more cynical-minded could come up with some sort of arguments like, oh, well, maybe Survivor Man viewership numbers were going down, so he had to, like, spin spin some sort of thing. But that's just it. Like, how exactly, like, how cynical, how pessimistic yeah. do you have to be to adopt that worldview versus, like, yeah, here, here's a dude who spent hundreds of days out in remote locations. And the other thing with Survivor Man, it you know, compared to, like, yeah, like the early 2010s, the like huge like survival kind of craze there. Like different than Bear Grylls, different than some of the other shows. Like it literally was the, the, the show Survivor Man was just this dude with a camera. And that was it. Like he like maybe had a radio to like call for, you know, assistance if something really terrible happened. But there wasn't like a filming crew with him. It was just him by yeah. himself. He's just out there. Yeah. And... Yeah, and I'll trust his authority uh, much higher than, you know, like you were talking about, like the sort of like degradate the the degradation that comes afterwards, where it's like, okay, this was that sort of like sweet spot um, 
where like yes survival shows but also pre all the like sasquatch hunter nonsense on <laughs> history channel or tlc like like it, it, it's it's that sweet little like okay no this is this is the pure essence of hey i started off i was gonna like have a career doing like survival television but i keep seeing these fucking bigfoot or something yeah. what's going on what is going on <laughs> yeah again we're kind of back to this like you know take a drink again like every time you hear the tunes of we need a body we're not gonna find a body we haven't found a body and better than about a i don't know 60 years of sasquatch research nothing has come up but there might be some reasons behind this um according to dave Sheely, bodies wouldn't be found in florida because yeah I, I, it's basically a fucking submerged environment with multiple scavenging and just you know, opportunistic predators that will strip a carcass. Bones do not last. Bugs flourish. Like, yeah. you're not going to find them there. And then in the Pacific Northwest, well, we can take another page out of the book that is elephants. In that, Josh, we don't find elephant skeletons because they will bury their dead. What's to say that a mm. Bigfoot, what's to say that a Sasquatch, when a member of its species dies, won't bury that member, or or if they are solitary apes like we think they are, not moving in troops but solitarily, and sometimes coming to get together to mate, if they know they're close to dying, they will dig their own burial cairn, just like elephants, and they will die inside of it. You, right, I... 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 Yeah. Also, I'm getting way horned up on Christmas sale. And <laughs> That's good. That's real good. But yeah, I so I agree. Yes, some of the best evidence that we could get would be a body. 100% of yes. However, that's that's like asking for the same thing as like, well, why don't we have a, a actual fresh corpse uh, a, a body of a dinosaur. Right. It's like, well, no, because it's a living thing and full of that delicious protein and, bro- and, and bone marrow that other animals like to eat. So, of course, yeah, those are going to get chomped mm-hmm. and, like, eaten up. And I love the idea, too, about, like, the species or, like, multiple species that comprise Bigfoot. Maybe they do take a page out of the elephant's notebook and like do some sort of like hey i'm i'm either like getting older in years i'm slowing down or i had this big like territorial fight with like a grizzly bear or something and i got this mortal wound in my side Mm -hmm. so even in my like kind of primitive bigfoot brain i know the end is near so i'm gonna like wander off by myself or i'm gonna like yeah like you said like 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 dig my own burial ground here uh so so yes that could be wonderful if we did have a body but that's not the end all be all you know yeah well but you know sometimes even like so the body is definitive but also like we need to take a pause and just go maybe it is a thing because, okay, so, you know, in lowland Africa in 1920, there were decades worth of legends coming out of local indigenous people there. Read that as the local blacks who were being, you know, cruelly oppressed under slavery of Belgium and so forth. But they still had time to tell stories of giant hairy creatures that were in the forests around them. 
until and everybody said that this was total bullshit because it was the superstitious ideals of the blacks and haha we're here to save them from themselves and give them to god but josh guess what happened in 1920 Somebody shot a fucking gorilla, and we realized that lowland gorilla populations were a real thing. Yeah, right. It's, it's, a uh, it's... <sighs> yeah. It, it, it's, I... <sighs> that was then, this is dumb, right? But, in 2003, there were multiple, well, into, so before 2003, there were multiple reports of a large upright ape that had been spotted in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Uh, these apes were seen to be about as big as humans, and they were a little bit smaller than gorillas in aspect, but they liked to walk around on two legs. Once again, this was dismissed as local legendary and bullshit and oh ho ho ho, those local people don't know what the fuck they got until somebody shot one. In the Billy yeah. region of the Congo, this ape was taken to scientists and determined to be a new variety of chimpanzee, who liked to nest on the ground like gorillas, but had a lar- that had but had more muscle mass and preferred to walk on two legs. We now know the Billy ape as a you know actual subspecies of chimp, and that's the last image in your document. Go ahead and scroll down and look at the Billy ape shot in the demo or shot in the Congo, Josh, because like. This is my nail in the coffin of there can be large, extant apes that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Look at that terrifying, yeah. muscly bastard. Yeah, it is. And uh, the, the, the one photo is, is sort of black and white, but then the second one is in color. Yep. And let me tell you what, what I'm seeing, Mark. I'm seeing some kind of reddish brown, some reddish black fur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing, uh, yeah, a, a sort of... A longer head with a little kind of like, not exactly a, a crest on top, but you know, I'm I'm seeing a lot of the physical descriptions about some of these other um, in, encounters that we've discussed here. So, like, yes, of course, extraordinary claims require extra, e- e- extraordinary evidence. I'm all on board for that. Uh, right. And let's just wait until somebody, like, actually shoots a thing <laughs> or we find one. But let's also not automatically, like, discount it. Um, what, what's the other? So, like, yes, I, I mentioned the ex, 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 extraordinary claims. But, but, but the other part of it is, is, like, absence of evidence is mm-hmm. not evidence of absence. You know? Once again, I need to ask you to stop reading my fucking script because my last Ah, line was that was episode two of Bigfoot, the giant American monkey, considering that the absence of evidence is not evidence of the absence and knowing that I've thrown pounds of information at you. How do you feel, buddy? So just, I guess you're already there, but goddammit, you you fucking anticipated me once again, man. (laughs) I I, I did. Yet, Yet again, I did, and I feel horrible by it. So, okay. I can guarantee I that this is something. Vindicated in it, but yeah, goddamn it. <laughs> I can guarantee, Mark, this is something that is not in your notes. This will this will be an op. This is something I I know will I will not preempt you on awesome. this. Awesome, awesome. Okay. All this time, Mark, I've also been thinking of a different piece of evidence that could be used for us. Oh. And this is, and this is Matthew, book seven. Uh, verse 20, 
Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or of or, or figs of thistles? And uh, wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them? I say, wherefore by their horrible smell you shall know <laughs> And wherefore by their stealing of your apples and pineapples and throwing watermelon at you. <laughs> Chucking melons from the you trees. Chucking melons from the trees. <laughs> stealing your lima beans. Crop That's how you. you'll know them too. <laughs> Oh boy, buddy, this has been amazing. This Thank has you. been great. I, Thank you. I, I I love that we're doing this for the month of December because this has been a long time coming. Yeah. You know, like and, and like I mentioned with sort of part one on our Bigfoot mini series, you, you know, you know, this is something that we've that's just been kind of on the outskirts and we sort of hinted at and it, yeah, I I had the. Um, Honey Island Swamp Monster on my beer pong team. And then I had, what was the other big footy thing that I had on my beach volleyball team? The for Genosqua. The Sum- yeah, that's right, yeah. right. So it's like, it's like. They are wild yes. men indigenous to, indigenous to British Columbia, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I looked at Genosqua and I was like, you can't tap the same episode twice. Don't do it. <laughs> but it is, it, 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 it's, it's a thing that. Has long been with us, and I and I love that we're giving it its its due diligence, its proper respect here in these episodes. Because viewers, you thought we were done? Like, no, we still we have part three. We have a third part about Bigfoot that's going to be coming your way too. There's like so, two more parts. I added a whole other part. Just, like there was, yes, we were going to talk about Bigfoot in the Midwest, like. Uh, the the fucking da bears of da Bigfoot and like that got cut out of the nights because like goddamn fucking there's a thing in Florida like okay even if I don't think there's like the the Bigfoot trolling around like you know the the redwood forests in Washington and California fuck me if there's not one in Florida like the one in Florida is real yeah. it is there is a there is an extant American ape in Florida and it it horrifies me and scares me and blows my mind but Thank you for being here with me through this, buddy. Like, put no, up th- with me through th- part you, two. The, the wild scheduling changes. I'm like, oh, my God, we got to record again so it works when you're here. <laughs> and just know that next week when you're here, as cool and as crazy as the last two episodes have been, oh, my God, it is going to get so much stupider. We're just going to kick it in madness. That is just like, like you and I are, are just snuggled up in our pajamas and our warm uh, quilts in, uh, in bed, and then the next few parts are that Bigfoot face staring in at our bedroom window. <laughs> because I I I don't even know if we'll even have time to get into like Yeti and the Abominable Snowman, given oh, our like current oh, baby, pace. Just you wait, just just Cause, you cause, wait, okay. good buddy. Because <laughs> right, what's so... the progenitor of the fucking Bigfoot mythos in America? Oh, it's the Yetis that was cited between 1930s and 40s, and stories that were also adopted or also collected by Nazis of a large upright ape in the Himalayas. <laughs> oh, baby, it's just gonna get so much worse. 
It's getting with so much work. My but also final so much document better. is sixty-three pages. Just that's where we're at. This is like maybe a five-part episode, but the final document is sixty-three. Pa- this is the most I've ever prepared for a two wizards, and I don't <laughs> think I've said anything at all. Like I don't think there's anything right, yeah, mentioned. Barely. There's no evidence. What's Miyaka? What's the skunk ape? Shut up, Mark. You don't know shit. Anyway. But yes, listeners, you are you you are you are along with us for the ride, and what a great way to end this year, and also probably start the next one. Being real, probably starting twenty twenty four. That's fine. But but listeners, we're grateful that you are tagging along with us, that you're bringing out your camcorders and watching us two wizards like lumber off or sprint off into the uh, uh, brush in two foot deep mud water. To the deep mud water. So, as always, we love hearing from you. We want to hear from you. Don't don't, don't you be that elusive Sasquatch uh, and just like knock on a tree and but then never like respond to us. No, we we want to hear from you. Send us an email uh, to the to Two Wizards Podcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at Two Wizards Pod C One. Uh, m- Marcus said he's already going to put up a, a bunch of really great uh, 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 photos and illustrations uh, for, for this episode. And he's been doing that for all of our episodes, too. So definitely check those out on Instagram and on Facebook, Two Wizards Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, uh, Josh at Plaid Barbarian. Uh, I'm doing my thing. Now that I finished teaching, I'm going to have so much more free time on my hands that, yeah, I could... I, I could be working on my dissertation defense. I could be working on my job applications, or I could be engaging with you, our listening audience. Uh, so check that out too at Plaid Barbarian. Uh, Mark, what else do we have going on? Just in case anybody wants a little bit more, maybe of you. If you wanted even more skeptical inquiry and over-observation of things, well, then by all means, come over to the Dango Podcast, a weekly retrospective rewatch of Mike Judge's adult animation classic, King of the Hill, where me and our buddy Johnny take two episodes and discuss them. Or, or find me on the I Can't Wait to Show My Kids podcast, a weekly cinematic rewatch podcast where me and my buddy Brad fill in blind spots in our cinematic knowledge and then discuss that super important question of... When do I show this to my kids? Josh, when do you show Bigfoot to your kids? Because you can't start with the Patterson-Gimlin. You got to start no, with no, no, like no. the local indigenous accounts. Otherwise, it just, it may, they don't know what a Sasquatch is. They they got nothing. Like, right. anyway. Yeah, yeah it, it's a very important, yeah, it's, it's a very important decision for parents to make. Mm-hmm. When do you first tell your kids about Bigfoot. <laughs> At any rate, tell us when you told your kids about Bigfoot by going to uh, High Hammock Radio on Blue Sky app, or or mm. find me at Marky Stardust on my Twitter. I'm around. I don't know. It's a snake pit, and I am ever darting elusively in between rocks and trees, in and out of blurry and focus. Um, thank you for being here, guys. Josh, thank you for putting up with me tonight and in the coming weeks. Thank you. And I can just once again say that I am so glad that my name is Mark and I am a wizard. Uh, likewise, I am I am equally glad and honored and gladdened to say that I am Josh and I am a wizard. Thank you for tuning in with us, everybody. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. <laughs> Me drumming on my desk to be wood knocks and then I killed them all. <laughs> And then I killed them all. <laughs> he rolled up 
upon his back, and after that, I kill them all! Ah!